Truth Espresso, episode 206. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hey there, and welcome to Truth Espresso and this episode of Truth Espresso Express, where I chat about studies or news or such while I'm driving to or from work. I'm just pulling out of my parking lot, headed to another exciting day of software development. And I would like to continue a series that I started two Truth Espresso Express episodes ago, answering the question, was Jesus a socialist? Now, if you're just tuning into this episode of Truth Espresso, and you notice that the title is, Was Jesus a Socialist? Part 3, and you haven't listened to Part 1 or Part 2, well, I would highly recommend that you check those out. Now, that's not to say that you wouldn't get some good information from this episode alone, but it definitely helps when you can get all the information, answer the question in full. And so in looking at the scriptures, as I've studied the scriptures, especially the teachings of Jesus, to see if he was indeed a socialist. And part one talked about the fact that Jesus showed no indication that he was interested in overthrowing structures in his earthly ministry. And he did not teach his disciples that they needed to overthrow structures so that their teachings can actually happen because Jesus taught personal virtue independent of whatever the government structure is. Jesus was not teaching to start a revolution and Jesus used examples of kings and servants and business owners and investment and so on. And so the first episode was about overthrowing structures. The second part was mostly about two parables that Jesus taught, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins and then the parable of the ten talents to demonstrate that the lesson that Jesus taught and the details of the parables were actually contrary to socialism. And for this episode, we have another example of a parable that I believe teaches free market principles. It's not compatible with socialism, but there are socialists. I have heard people try to use this parable as a lesson in socialism. And this happens to be the parable of the vineyard workers. So we have this in Matthew chapter 20, that Jesus taught a parable saying that the kingdom of heaven is like unto this. And we saw two other parables where the kingdom of heaven is like unto something that wasn't really compatible with socialism, but more compatible with voluntary charity and free market principles and the kingship of Christ as believers are his subjects living in this world, teaching his teachings and awaiting his return and being willing to suffer persecution for his sake. So, what do we have from the start of this parable? Well, we see a wealthy man who owns a vineyard. 
<laughs> Not off to a good start if we're talking about socialism, are we? And the parable in no way condemns this person for being wealthy and owning a vineyard and hiring people to do labor in his vineyard. So this wealthy vineyard owner was industrious. He went out early in the morning to find people to hire, to work on his vineyard and harvest the grapes. So this was a wealthy owner who was industrious. Doesn't sound socialist to me. Now this wealthy vineyard owner found some laborers to work a normal day's shift for a normal day's wages, which was one penny in the King James, or the name of the Roman coin also is denarius. So what we also see here is market prices at work. So in the marketplace, this was the going rate, the typical going rate for manual labor. And so we have here the market in action. Going to find laborers, paying them a typical day's wages, using the market going rate. And then the parable mentions that at the third hour of the day, so the first hour of the day is uh, about six o'clock in the morning. Now the third hour of the day was about 9 a.m., so three hours into a normal day of labor. So at this time, they would divide the daylight portion into 12 hours based on the sundial. And so in the summer, an hour, according to their measurement, might be a little longer than an hour later on, closer to winter. But nevertheless, they would divide the daylight into 12 hours, and uh, usually if uh, a working person would work the 12 hours of the daylight. So at the third hour of the day, the vineyard owner found people to work nine hours of the day, and he offered them, he told them he would pay them a fair or a right wage for their labor if they would come and work in his vineyard for uh, a partial day, nine hours, and they agreed to do so. And he found them in the marketplace where there would be people who were idle, chatting maybe with sellers, maybe looking around to buy things, maybe not finding stuff, but just curious, but whatever. These people were idle and they were willing to work for some money because they didn't really have anything better to do at the time. And then at the sixth hour, likewise, it seems that the vineyard worker didn't find enough laborers. He was kind of in a crunch. He needed a lot of work done, and the ones he found at the beginning of the day to work a full day's wages wasn't enough labor, and so he found people the third hour. Now he found some more idle people in the marketplace at the sixth hour, and he told them he'd pay them rightly if they'd come and work at his vineyard for half a day's labor. And then, likewise, at the ninth hour, he found some more workers in the marketplace being idle, and he offered them right wages if they would come and work for three hours. And so these people are thinking, oh, yeah, I, can, uh, I have nothing better to do. I could just do a little bit of labor and get a little bit of money. And then, finally, at the eleventh hour, which is likely where we get the expression at the eleventh hour, if something happens right at the last minute or at the last hour, you know, this is really crunch time here, 
um, at the 11th hour, we likely get it from this parable here. So at the 11th hour, the vineyard owner really needs just that little bit of labor extra, finds some idle people and says, hey, come work for an hour and I'll pay you rightly. And yeah, who doesn't want to earn a little bit to do a little bit of work at the end of the day? Like who else is going to hire them? So, hey, let's do that. It's the cool of the day. So at the end of the day, the vineyard owner has his, um, basically his manager call the laborers from the vineyard over to line up and he will give them the pay that he said he would give them. And they line up where the ones who arrived last are uh, in front and like, so the those who are who worked the shortest get their wages first and then those who you know all the way down the line to the, until the earliest workers and so as they start to hand the payments the the wages the people in the back notice that the people in the front who came late and worked only 1 hour got a full denarius so you think the people in the back are like shocked like wow and rubbing their hands together uh Oh, I wonder what we're going to get for our labor. And then they see that the ones who worked three hours, well, they also get a denarius. So the three-hour laborers are, might be scowling a little bit like, okay, we're getting the same as the ones who worked a third of what we worked, but hey, we can't complain. No one else is going to give us a full denarius, a full day's wages for only working three hours. And then down the six-hour workers, they get a denarius. They might look a little perplexed, but hey, they got paid twice their worth. And then likewise, the nine-hour workers, well, hey, this is confusing, but, you know, it's still a little bit of a raise for what I'm used to. And then... Maybe the 12-hour workers are starting to think, well, okay, yeah, sure, maybe the 9-hour workers get a denarius, but, you know, we put in a full day, so maybe there's a little bit more in store for us. But yet, here it goes, plunk in the palms, one denarius, one measly little denarius for their 12 long hours of work. And so when they got those wages... (laughs) They started to murmur against the vineyard owner and said, what is this? Yeah, uh, uh, these people who worked only an hour, they get the same wage. You made them equal to us who worked 12 hours and we endured the heat of the day for you. But we see here in this passage that the vineyard owner didn't get angry anything. In fact, the vineyard owner was a nice guy. So he, uh, it seems like maybe one of these was the spokesman who approached the vineyard owner, like tap on the shoulder. Excuse me, um, I'm a little confused. You paid the ones who worked one hour this, and yeah, like what's the deal here? Uh, um, or shouldn't we get more than this? You made them equal to us who worked 12 times as long. But the vineyard owner says, friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't we agree on a denarius for your labor? So take it and and go home. Go your way. Go home. Take your due that you agreed to that I gave you. And I choose to give these other workers also a denarius. 
I have the right to do what I want with my own money. Are you upset with me that I'm being generous to them? And then Jesus ends the parable by saying something he said before the parable, after he told a different parable in the previous chapter, in chapter 19. So after this parable in chapter 20, Jesus says, So the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And uh, I looked at several commentaries. A lot of them, especially the older classical ones, will say that the lesson that Jesus is teaching here has to do with how the Jews had received the oracles of God. They had the truth first. And then what he's teaching is how the Jews would get jealous and ungrateful as they've been the people of God. But then eventually the Gentiles are going to come in later, you know, in history here, and they're going to receive abundantly, and they're going to be faithful, and they're going to provoke Israel to jealousy. And yeah, whatever the case, that's not the point that I want to get to here with this parable. I want to focus on the details and, you know, the economic lessons. So I have seen socialists try to bring this up to teach socialism. So what is the socialist claim with this parable? Well, they would say that this doesn't teach free market capitalism because under a capitalist meritocracy, all the workers would be paid in proportion to the length and quality of their labor. But yet, contrary to capitalism, they received an equal outcome. So Jesus is teaching from each according to his ability to each according to his need. The ones who worked less, they still had just as much a need for the same amount of money. And so you do the work that you can put in, but everyone should be treated equally with equal pay. <laughs> yeah, you show me a socialist who works 12 hours in a day who isn't going to get upset like the workers here who agreed to a denarius. They're likely going to say it's not fair. But hey, let's look at some free market observations for why this parable is definitely not socialistic. So the first point of observation that I made from this parable, remember this is a wealthy vineyard owner. And so the first point is that this parable teaches or at least agrees with the legitimate concept of private property. This is a wealthy, a reasonably wealthy man who owns a vineyard and he has sufficient money to pay at least 10 workers a full day's wages because we see at least in the plural you have people who worked 12 hours, 9 hours, 6 hours, 3 hours, and 1 hour. So there's at least 10 workers. There's probably more. But at the very least 10 workers, this guy owns a vineyard. He hires a, has a manager that he's hired, and he also hires these laborers. And there seems to be free market because everything seems to be voluntary with this arrangement here. So you have private property and we see nothing about the laborers being taxed on their wages or the vineyard owner being taxed on his vineyard or it somehow being publicly owned or whatever there's no public ownership of the means of production here number two point that we see in this is profits 
So why did the owner hire laborers? Well, obviously he had to harvest the fruit from the vineyard. Why would he need to do that? It's not like he and his family are the only partakers here, that they need all these laborers to harvest the grapes so that this family can eat. Sure, the family needed to eat from the labor, but to hire all those laborers has to be wealthy enough. And how is he wealthy? Well... He sells grapes and makes a profit. So he pays these laborers for their wages to harvest grapes, and he makes enough money selling the grapes for a profit. The Marxists, especially, would probably be upset that this is greedy profiteering, that there should be no profits, that this vineyard owner is exploiting the laborers because really there should be no profits it should be break even basically the the laborers should really be co-owners of the vineyard so we have private property we have profits and this vineyard owner would have to make profits or he wouldn't have enough money to pay the laborers and also to bargain for more and not know if he's going to get more the third observation is contract agreements here you know voluntary contract agreements this parable clearly teaches these voluntary arrangements because to the first group, the 12-hour workers, the vineyard owner agreed, the workers and the vineyard owner agreed to be paid in Adarius. Now, all were said about all the other workers who worked less than a full day's wages that the vineyard owner told them he would pay a right wage. He would give them the right amount, and that was good enough for them. And both sides in this upheld their end of the agreement. The laborers worked, the vineyard owner paid them for their wages. But think of the socialist who might think things are unfair. Think of the support for protests, labor unions and protests. This isn't fair. I deserve to be paid more. A lot of socialistic thinking workers will be. This is not enough. Think, you know, they would be... <laughs> supporting the 12-hour wage earners there and say, this is unjust, you're exploiting me, we're doing all this labor and this is all we get, um, let's picket and protest outside, let's unionize and coerce the vineyard owner to pay us more. But yet you don't see that Jesus isn't supporting unionizing and protesting here. The 12-hour workers protested and the vineyard owner was kind to tell them, we agreed on this. And that's free market capitalism here. That's the free market at work. We agreed on this, so don't complain if you get what you agreed on. Socialists constantly believe that voluntary work arrangements are often exploitative. The owner is exploiting these workers regardless of the fact that they had voluntary arrangement. Now, the fourth and final observation point I want to make is supply and demand. So why in this culture would the vineyard owner be looking for other laborers after he found the first group? You know, at the beginning of the day, he needed more laborers as the day went on. He kind of discovered this is not enough work. This is not enough hands to get all the harvest that I need. 
perhaps this was crunch time at the end of the harvest and he wouldn't be able to make enough profits for the year to keep his business so he has to hire more laborers and you know one could see that the labor pool would shrink during this time of the day as the day drags on you know labor is more scarce to find and so the vineyard owner realizes that to get people who are willing to work in his vineyard especially when all the other full days laborers are likely working other jobs those who are willing to work a part of a day are going to have to have you know a good wage there So it's going to be harder to find workers later in the day, idle people who are available and willing to work. Thus, as human capital decreases, the supply of human capital decreased, and the demand for that labor is there, the cost of that labor would increase. And it seems that the vineyard owner recognized these concepts of supply and demand. And now, finally, I parked at work here. So I'm in the parking lot, and I do have a verse that I found that's part of this parable that I want to read and quote that is very salient for debunking any kind of socialist interpretation of this passage. Because Matthew chapter 20, verse 15, this is what the vineyard owner said to the one from the group of 12-hour workers who complained that they were made equal. The vineyard owner says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will or I desire with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So this was voluntary. (laughs) The vineyard owner voluntarily paid these other workers more than their labor seemed to be worth, at least to the 12-hour labors. But he says, is it not lawful for me to do with my own money? Socialists probably don't like that very well, that this was indeed the vineyard owner's vineyard. He owned it, and likewise, the money that he had, he owned it, and it was his right to dispose of that money, to give it, to pay it out as he wished, provided he didn't break the agreements that he had with the laborers. So, this parable teaches free market principles in spades, private property the right to profits, enforcing contract agreements, and the effects of supply and demand on labor and wages. And it is indeed lawful for one who owns money to be able to do with it as he owns. And so that's the end of this episode of Truth Espresso, and stay tuned for more episodes of Truth Espresso, and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 